Hello and welcome to the, uh, well, this feels like the last of like four Pioneer Pigskins, Austin, before we put this thing up on the shelf until maybe like, maybe we'll do like a, a weird spring ball episode at, at, at some point. Like, yeah, yeah, we should. We should go to the spring games and yeah. reanalyze the third string quarterback. Yeah, uh, that feels like something we're, that's right up our alley. Uh but no, the end of the college football season is fast approaching, and uh, the Utah Utes, wow, they are Pac-12 champions. And joining us today to discuss it, one of the biggest Utah fans I know, uh, a man who was at the Pac-12 championship game last year, I believe. And uh, did you go to the Rose Bowl last year, Alex? Alex Lumberg with us. Uh, I did not go to the Rose Bowl last year. I thought about it really long and hard um ultimately decided to, to the yeah, rose bowl this year i am going to the rose bowl this year when i made my decision last year to stay home uh i i told myself like you know like i had my reasons for staying home to watch it but i said if they ever make it again i'm going nothing's gonna stop me so mm-hmm. here they are again only a year later i didn't have to wait too long so yes i'm going this year you know what right. we should do is get one of those like tiktok uh content houses like rent one of those out for pioneer pigskin and we could just pod and and make cool content all all weekend. Yeah. I, I mean, I know we can't afford that, but we yeah, should. Yeah, we definitely just, can't afford that. We get a sponsor, maybe. Just go yeah. like, steal one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, find an empty no. room. Yeah. But it's very cool that really the team we all root for is going back to the Rose Bowl. I, I was in a group chat with a bunch of people. I a bunch of my friends mainly from online that I know from writing at various different blogs and stuff. And they were kind of making fun of me for like, oh, you're getting so excited about this Pac-12 championship game. And I I just don't think people who are like casual college football fans who watch like just the big name programs like the Georgias and the Michigans and the Ohio States, I don't think they understand fully how much a conference title means. Like Utah, let's be honest, they are not, you know, they are not Alabama. They are not Ohio State. They are not one of these big programs that's always going to be in the college football playoff conversation. To get a conference championship and to get to play in a really cool bowl like the Rose Bowl every now and again, this is like, to me, this is just as good as winning a national title because I know with the way college football is now structured with nil deals and transfer portal and the fact that utah is at a massive disadvantage kind of in both areas there i i I think that you know and i think you both agree we we just have to take the w's and this is a huge w for the utes to win back-to-back pac-12 titles it's just super impressive i i mean i i I tweeted this and i felt really cool that i came up with this but it just felt like such an arrival moment for for Utah as a, as a program, um, you know, it, it's last year was great as, as you were, as you were saying, Eric, like, but I, I feel like to a certain degree, like, you know, you win one championship, you can chalk it up as like a fluke. And I, I think of like San Jose state who won the mountain West a couple of years ago. I don't think anyone would say that that conference championship put, you know, San Jose state into a different echelon, right. In that, in that, in that tier of college football, but you win two in a row. That's pretty impressive. That's like, that's something like that's indisputable. There's no argument that can be made against Utah right now. They're, they are a 
rising, 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 rising program in college football. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree with that point too. You know, like, I mean, even just staying in house with Utah, you look back at the 04 season, the 08 season, both ended undefeated, both played in, you know, what are now new year's six bowls. Um, but neither of those felt like arrival moments. They more felt like, you know, storybook moments. And last season, the way that they responded, the, that run that they went on to win the Pac-12 championship to make their first Rose Bowl felt at the time like that's probably what it all it was going to be. But there was a chance that there was going to be more. I think repeating doing that, you know, being able to run it back and and solidify and say, no, even in a much improved Pac-12 where there, there were six of the top, what, 17 teams to go back and defend the title and say, nope, this is still our house, and we're going back to the Rose Bowl. Like, that, that is establishing kind of a new baseline of, of excellence and, and really saying, we are one of the new blood programs. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And, and to me, just as a fan, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but this one just means more to me. I don't know why. Like, last year was fine and good, but especially with the way, like, you could look and you could say, oh, well, USC wasn't really a full strength last year, and the conference wasn't the best last year, and we, they didn't have... This was a win against, like you were saying, Alex, like a team that was expected to be a college football playoff team against a team that was going to play Georgia in two weeks if they won this game, and a team that probably could have given Georgia a run for their money, honestly. And... To have a win like this, to just take care of business in, in this way against the best of the best in the conference, even if you have to backdoor your way in and a thousand things have to go right for you to get in. I felt a little conflicted, honestly, all week. I was like, I don't know if he's really deserved a bit like, but I've re I've rethought it. I've rethought it all out. You just can't think that way. That's not the way this works. They won their games, Oregon, you know, Oregon and Washington didn't and Utah, you know, took care of business and they just, we, I think we can get to talking about the actual game right now. They got, I thought the way they won the game was super impressive because they came out and they got punched in the face. And I think, you know, I, I know this because me and Alex went back and forth on Twitter about it and like pretty much everyone did. I thought from the moment they scored that second touchdown, oh, okay, I know how this goes. Utah gets boat raced here, and there's no coming back, and they just get embarrassed on national television again. And to not have that happen, to come back from that deficit and then to dominate basically the rest of the game, uh, it's, it's just super impressive to me. No, it, I mean, it was just huge that they were able to close the gap and and take a – take a tie score into halftime. Um, I mean, that, that essentially saved their season. They, they won it in the, in the second quarter, I think, you know, as dominant as they were in, in the third and fourth, I think you can look at that second quarter as like really where they put the youths put on their, their big boy pants with like huge stops. Um, you know, they forced you, they forced um, USC to go just looking at the box score there here. They forced them to go uh, for turnover on downs um, with about a minute 20 to go in the, is that, am I reading this right? About halfway through the second, yeah. uh, scored to make right, it 17, right. 10, uh, forced another four and out. 
uh, or three and out, I guess you'd say they punt, they punted on fourth down, something they didn't really typically do and then scored again. And that was, I mean, that was the weird thing. Cause I, I think we all kind of watching Utah this year. We all kind of, you know, it was playing out kind of as we expected a, a slow start by the Utes, but the response on those two defensive possessions was huge. And I thought for, for what I can remember, I, I think this was probably Scally's best game of the year in terms of calling and getting the guys ready. 100% I agree with that. And this was an interesting game because for the first three quarters, it largely followed the same script as the first USC game this year, where, you know, USC scores early in the second quarter to go up 14. Um, you know, this Pac-12 championship game, it was 17 to three. Back in October, it was 21 to seven. And Utah fought and clawed its way back into it. Uh, in the second quarter, in the third quarter, it was this tight game that, you know, really looked like it could go either way, but Utah suddenly had a lot of momentum and where this one really differed from that or that uh, October game is the October game. Utah played three quarters. USC played four in, in this PAC 12 championship game. Uh, both teams played three quarters. Utah took the first quarter off and USC took that fourth quarter off. And really, I think that difference um, one of the things that I think happens in a lot of these kinds of situations when teams are really familiar with each other like this, I mean, this is something that happened, you know, during Utah's long stretch of rivalry wins. Um, it was that year when Jason Shelley led that big comeback, um, on the sideline. Yeah. Against BYU. Like mm -hmm. when Jason Shelley led that comeback, when Utah started to close that gap and everything started to happen like that you know, the players on the sideline on BYU sideline started saying, Oh, here we go again. Mm -hmm. Like they all knew what was coming. They, they were it was familiar like a, with it was that a snowball that was just picking up steam coming. Right. Down the hill. Yeah. And, and so like, just, it gets in their heads, you know, and it, it's really hard, even for the elite players, when something like that starts to happen and you go, I've seen this movie before, mm -hmm. like, it's really hard to break that, to change that from happening. And that is what it looked like to me happened with USC is they once again, they came out, they hit Utah in the mouth, they had them on their heels, and then Utah started to respond and started to hit back. And USC, it looked like, you know, I mean, they're only a couple months removed from from that first time that it happened. And they're going, you've got to be kidding me. Like, yeah. we've thrown everything we have at these guys. And here they are that like, they, they don't go away. They don't give up. They're hitting us hard. And we can't do this anymore. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think it's so funny to talk about the October game when talking about what happened last night, because I went into last night's game, just like expecting Utah to lose. I, you know, it was a three and a half point spread or two and a half point spread. I like, I think that's pretty generous on Vegas's part. Thank you very much, Las Vegas. Um, but I, I, I expected Utah to get blown out of the water. And, but as I looked at the box score for the game in October, I like, I didn't really understand why I felt that way. Cause if you look at the box score there, there are a lot of similarities. Caleb Williams was, unreal in October. He gave, he had five passing touchdowns. He had 381 yards. Um, Utah really didn't have much of a running game to speak of then. Uh, I think they only got 138 yards as a team. Uh, they didn't have, they didn't get a more than 37 yards from a running back. That was Mika Bernard. Um, so I was like, but and they still pulled off the win. So I'm like, if they overcame those things, why am I nervous? Like, what is there to be concerned about? Utah's running game got better. They've dealt with Williams having an un unreal game before and still managed to bounce back. 
USC does not have Travis die going into this game uh, last night. And I don't know why I felt the way I did. And I, I think Utah, Utah proved me wrong. And I, I'm glad they did. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is like the ultimate Kyle Whittingham game, the ultimate, you know, everybody, you know, cause you know what the message was all week. It was, Hey, look at that dork Austin Facer on this random amateur Utah football pie. Look at this Eric Jensen clown. Who the hell does he think he is? Yeah, saying, they were playing us. We were we were bulletin board material. For saying sure. they don't deserve, they don't quote deserve to be in the championship game, uh-huh. and this feels quote cheap. Like yeah. what are these talking head bozos with Yeti microphones in their parents' basements think they're talking about. Like, we're Utah football. Like, you go out there and shove it down these bozos' throats. Yes. And, and that's that's exactly what he did. He said, hey, you know, Eric Jensen, Austin Facer, those two guys are absolute losers who do not Good believe luck. in you guys. Like, go out there and get that W. And hey, man, I mean, I guess in the end, it, it ends in happiness for us. So uh, course, I guess jokes course, on you're you, being Kyle facetious, Eric, but I, I do want to just live in the fantasy of like my picture hanging like in Cam Rising's yeah, locker. Of you course. Know. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I Kyle Whittingham wanna, I is live listening in that space. This, yeah. You know, Kyle Whittingham is listening it, to this podcast what, religiously. I mean, when Rise, he loves the NFL show. He's rising. He's listening to us, and he's just getting mad in his car, and he's just, ooh, just you know, just gripping the steering wheel, and steam is coming out of his nose. And uh, you know, <laughs> I, I do like to live in that thought. Yeah, I, I don't think it's too far outside the realm of of possibility either, though, for him to like find something like that. Because I mean, back in 2015, when Michigan was coming to town, the bullets and board material was from Popular Mechanics. Like <laughs> not even a sports related magazine or publication. Well, we're talking about we're cars. In, we're in negotiations with um with uh, consumer goods, a consumer <laughs> goods publication. Absolutely. Yeah, like, we're going to do, do a Utah sports theme podcast for them. Yeah. So, yeah. We're, we're mean, about Kyle to cash Whittingham. in on the bag. Kyle Whittingham is going to find disrespect wherever he can find it and work that angle. And he had plenty of sources to find it for this week. So, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe he did have a picture of each of you guys. Um, in a collage of all sorts of other sources and things like that. Yeah, I think a defunct um, airline magazine runs a lot of our stuff, and uh, he yeah, might've, <laughs> he might have uncovered it. So. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll take we'll take our L, Austin. We'll mm-hmm. we'll, 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 we'll yeah. hold it. And, and uh, that's the funny thing, Eric. I was thinking to myself like because we we missed last week's episode. My bad. That was my bad. And okay. so the last time we talked, we were so negative. We were so down on the Utes. We were like, their season's done. Those these guys are these guys are effing losers. Uh, Rising should just, you know, Rising already said he has no interest in coming back next year. He should just, you know, take a bow, not play the not play the next game. That was a real conversation we had. Missed was Will Cam Rising sit out the rest of the year? Whittingham's Whittingham's cooked. He sh- Whittingham's going to retire. The Morgan Scally era is going to begin. Nate Johnson's going to be the quarterback next year. But I I was thinking about it last night. I think someone someone tweeted it, and I really like the idea. But I think if you're rising and you're Whittingham, you have to like you come back. What I don't you, you say to rising like three in a row, we can. It's doable. There are we have a winnable schedule next year. See, I I think Cam Rising is gone. I, I would agree with that. I, I think that 
I think that discussion needs to be had, though. I think, I think if you're winning Hammy, you don't have that discussion. You're not doing your job. Right. I, I agree with that as well, but right? I think but that... I also think Kyle Whittingham wants to make his to make his Exit. program an NFL factory, and mm-hmm. like it just makes like Cam Rising probably was not a a, a draftable qu- quarterback um, before like four weeks ago, maybe, but. Uh, after the past performances he's had against Colorado and then in this Pac-12 title game, he's absolutely a guy that could go in day three or, or late day two. Like to me, there's just no question that he's, he's gone. He, his time at Utah is over, especially if they win the Rose bowl. It, sure. Maybe. Sure. And yeah. they're going to go into that game probably heavily favored is, is like the, the, the other twist on this, I think, just makes the last month even more mind-blowing, considering, like, where we were after the Oregon loss and after the UCLA loss, you know? Like, like we all need to be, like, like take some medication and go on long walks in the woods to re-register our, you know, our, our association with Utah football because they've destroyed. I mean, it's it's just been such a roller coaster of emotions this year, you know? I mean, that's, that's, that's my question for you guys is like whoever Utah plays, I would think they have to be favored in the Rose bowl, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, barring something might be Purdue. Yeah. Could be Purdue. Purdue seems pretty likely. Barring some sort of like weird, just, you know, who knows what from the playoff committee, which you never know. I mean, Maybe they keep TCU in. Maybe they bring Alabama up over Ohio State for some reason because it's Alabama and we can't ever have a playoff without them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's that an Ohio State rematch. Um, but I, I would say that, yeah, if it is Purdue, if it is Penn State, Utah, I, I would be surprised if they weren't favored, especially considering that Vegas had them favored against USC. And I think that USC is a far better team than Penn State or Purdue. So um, I, I would imagine that, yeah, Utah likely would have that edge, um, especially, you know, it'll probably be another home game atmosphere for Utah. Um, it, it's going to be bizarre that they're going to be selling Rose Bowl champion gear in the bookstore. And I don't think that's anything we would have ever expected to see like two months ago. You know, like what, what, like what happened? What things happened so fast? I, I, I'm it's disorienting. Yeah. I, I think that like, like Eric has a Rose bowl participant shirt on right now. Yeah. Like throw it out, Eric. It's worthless. You're going to, you're going to be buying a Rose bowl champion shirt. No, I, I, I honestly, this is my, to be completely honest with you, this is my favorite piece of Utah merchandise. That it's I gorgeous. And it's very like, nice. Like it's like, it's the nicest shirt in the entire world. I think mm. uh, Utah's. I will never get rid of it, even if they win a Rose Bowl. Who cares? Utah's Rose Bowl gear from last year's game is it was just sick, immaculate. Right? Oh, it's so the the, like, the interlocking U's with the roses going through them. Ooh, yeah. and now you can and, and and guess what? You're gonna be able to buy that sweatshirt and feel good about it after they win the game. You know, <laughs> let's not count our chickens before they hatch yet. But I, I'm just, who? Ca- I don't. I uh, I don't know anything, <laughs> right? That's what I've decided. Like, 
I, I, I like, I, I think we've lost any ability to project what could happen with the Utes. So I'm just going to go, I'm going to lean into expecting to be surprised. And I guess that would be surprising. Maybe it wouldn't be. I don't know. I, I don't know anything. I think it's, I, I've learned that I, I cannot accurately predict what will happen to this team. Um, so I'm just going to assume they're going to win. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a jinx. Maybe I'm giving the other team, <laughs> maybe I'm giving their opponent giving, board material, giving the, uh, the media jinx, but yeah. yeah, I mean, well, and you know, nobody knows, nobody can predict these kinds of things. I mean, you know, if, if somebody could predict them all accurately, we wouldn't play the games on the field. Like, you know, everybody would just be like, okay, well, who's going to win? And that would, you know, it wouldn't be fun. No. Yeah. But I, but I, of course that was the, the outcome last night was probably the result I was expecting the least. And yeah. I think that's what made it so fun. I well, think- I disagree. I kind of, I, I, I thought Utah was going to win pretty much all week. They, they, it's just a game that Utah wins. I was shocked that this ended up being a blowout. That's the one thing that kind of shocked me. Like I really thought this was going to end like 42, 38 Utah on on a last second camera and it probably would have i want to spend a moment here and just give caleb williams his flowers i know he's like and public enemy number one on utah twitter today because he did something stupid with his nails honestly a loser so who cares uh, yeah whatever they want on their nails honestly who cares whatever he lost it doesn't matter oh my god for one i know you guys probably watch a lot more but just because of the nature of my job I don't watch a lot of USC because it's they're just on the same time that Utah and Utah State and BYU are on. Holy cow. Has Caleb Williams just been this guy all year? Like, has, has this been him all year? Because if so, just taking a sidetrack to the NFL podcast side of things for a second, I literally cannot wait until, like, next April when – he gets drafted and hopefully the Denver Broncos just suck next year. And he's the next Denver Broncos quarterback, because to me, let me just give you my comp really quick in the pocket. He's a Mahomes clone. And then when he gets in the open field, he just looks like Jalen hurts. It's like unreal how good he is. Maybe he's the next Zach Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. um, Zach Wilson was going to be Patrick Mahomes. Well, that's that my thoughts on that are for a completely different discussion. Um, but as far as like Caleb Williams, I, I really do think and hope selfishly that the NFL can make an exception for him and he can be drafted after this season because another year of him at USC as a Utah fan terrifies me. Yeah. Um, because yeah, he has been that guy all year. He has been phenomenal. There's a reason that he has been brought up just over and over and over in that Heisman conversation. And we saw some Heisman like moments last night where, I mean, you know, for three quarters of that game, he was playing with a blown out hammy and he still was able to, you know, make some just unbelievable throws, find guys that were open way downfield. You know, when Clark Phillips fell down um, and Jordan Addison was open, you know, 50 yards downfield, that's, that's not an easy throw to make when you're healthy when you're hurt and you're rattled to be able to still find that guy and make that throw like the, the dude. And there's yeah. no distance of a running start. I could have to, to make a 50 yard pass. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, just like, I, I could have a, a three mile running start. <laughs> that would probably be too much, but 
you know, that, I mean, he he does have terrific arm strength, and he does put the ball right where it needs to go. And um, you know, I I think I think Utah's one interception was uh was a great play by who was it Hubert was it RJ? Yeah, RJ Hubert. Yeah, he was the yeah. one who picked him off. But I mean, but I mean, the, I mean, as you're like, he had no back foot at the end of the game. I th- I think that was pretty clear. He was he was really like out on his front foot, like probably the the whole fourth quarter. Um, and his line didn't do any do him any favors. I thought it it was the best defensive line performance, the best front seven or eight performance Utah's had all year. Um, and he was still great. So I th- I think I think you're right, Eric. It it, it is scary. Not Eric, uh, Lundy. I think you're right. Like it is scary to think, like, you know, if, if he's healthy and his line can keep him upright, um, like they failed to do last night. He he's he's the best player in the country. He's probably still going to win the Heisman. I think he built enough of a, a narrative hobbling, uh, you know, on the uh, onto the field to to try. You know, I think that's gonna. I think I think it'll be close between him and and Max Duggan. Um, I mean Duggan's performance earlier today was something else um you know similar in the sense that they both lost and they both just put their entire body on the line and left every inch of themselves like yeah yeah. and so i think i think it's going to be really interesting between those two those are my my two heisman front runners um duggan he's the tcu guy or the k-state guy he's the tcu guy and he i mean you know Anybody else? The saddest part about TCU losing today is that they didn't get to post a, a frogs win video on on K State. K State did a response video. Oh yeah. no! Oh, I got it. I got It's beautiful. That. It's beautiful. Okay, it's worth. It. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like Max Duggan, you know, just kind of deviating a little bit. Like it was kind of a similar one of those things where I was just like, "This is like, you know, I mean, they were down most of the game. They were down by eight with just not." much like under two minutes I think it was and he reeled off a couple of huge runs just quarterback keepers he ended up scrambling and getting into the end zone and was on his hands and knees like he couldn't stand up after it he was just so gassed and then you know gets himself up without needing a timeout to be called gets back in the huddle for the two-point conversion since they were down by two um you know snaps the ball is able to find an open tight end in the end zone to tie things up and then, like, as everybody comes over to celebrate with him, he's, like, pushing him away because he's just, like, I, I can't breathe. Like, I can't move. I can't do anything. Like, and he's got gashes on his arms. He's bleeding everywhere. Like, the dude just put all of it on the line. And so between him and Caleb Williams and just, you know, performing the way that they did, I mean, you know, hopefully Rod Gilmore doesn't get a say in any of the Heisman voting because mm-hmm. for him it was, you know, Bo Nix was the most banged up quarterback to ever play if you watch that <laughs> it was the most heroic thing anyone's ever done was play against uh, Utah the way he... yeah absolutely I mean, Bo Nix was literally on life support he should have gotten the congressional medal of honor could have yeah. died on could've life died. support Heroism. he was on dialysis he like had all those different things going and so I mean those two fell short of that performance but it was it was pretty special nonetheless yeah I I think we can talk about larger college football as a whole here, just to, to close out here. One, I want to talk about Utah's schedule next year because I do think it's interesting. I know that the roster is going to have a lot, and I mean a lot of turnover this year. I think defensively they'll be fine. It's a pretty young defense. Outside of Clark Phillips, they aren't losing a ton of name brand guys. Um, but, man, next year – you know, if unfortunately, 
12 teams doesn't start next year. It starts the year after, right? Right. So, unfortunately, that's because if it was 12 teams next year, I think Utah would have a great shot to get in. But, I mean, they play Florida at home. Florida will hopefully be better. They play Baylor at Baylor. That's a huge game. It is wild how good Barrett, for a team that barely schedules any out-of-conference teams of note, what a great schedule they have next year, Florida and Baylor. Weber State, that should be, you know, it's always a little bit of a challenge. But, I mean, the Pac-12 next year looks like it's going to be good. Arizona is going to be good. You imagine Oregon State's going to get a quarterback in the transfer portal and be super dangerous. USC again, you know, the only two teams that you look and you say, oh, like those are cakewalks is like ASU and maybe Cal because even Colorado, Colorado's got Deion Sanders and, uh, uh, and one of the best quarterbacks in the country now. Like that's, that just, that change. That's a, that'll be a big, big difference. I think that just happened overnight. Like, like people don't expect it, but like Colorado is going to follow the USC model and Colorado is going to be competitive next year. Not to mention, they also run into Oregon and Washington next year. I mean, it's honestly the hardest Utah schedule I can remember over the past like four years. And they're on the road uh, at USC, and they historically have fared very poorly uh, in the Coliseum. Yeah, it's. But I think, but but my original point is like, if they're if they're good, if they're if they are who they were this year, um. I mean, and they 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 have success in that schedule. They're they're a top they're a top four team in the country. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you've got eleven power fives on your schedule there. Like that's a gauntlet, no matter who you are. I mean, you know, Bama doesn't do that, right? Bama plays two FCS teams every year, so at best they play ten power fives. Um, you know, it's usually probably more like eight, uh, because they only play eight conference games, but. I mean, let's just assume yeah. Utah is unbelievable. Let's just assume they're the greatest. <laughs> so yeah. let let me ask the question then: Is we we're required to? We're we're a football podcast talking about Utah at the end of season. We have to ask: Is Kyle back next year? I hope so. I. I- I mean, I've been wrong about every Kyle Whittingham retirement thing that I've ever thought. So I don't know. Like, I, you know, I thought that last year might be it. Um, I mean, I've, I've been saying for years that it's like, yeah, he's, he's done when the next contract is up and then he'll extend by four years. Mm-hmm. And so who knows? I mean, at this point, he could retire right after the Rose Bowl. That wouldn't surprise me. He could coach another 10 or 15 years, and I don't think that would surprise me. I think that um, would shock me. I think it would shock me, given what he said about like wanting to be like a grandpa and like that he's not in this for life. I would be shocked if he coaches another five years. I if if you look at the details of his most recent extension, it does feel like he negotiated a lot more post-retirement perks. Mm-hmm. So may, that I mean, maybe the fact that he's got those in the bag could be a, an indication of his future plans. You know, you know, it just and just I'll just go over them. I think like he gets like a, he he has like gets like a crazy consulting fee from the University of Utah. Like for I think it's like a hundred grand per year yeah, to be like yeah, just an advisor to the athletic to, department, just to come say hi every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I know his grant like his children, his grandkids get free tuition at the University of Utah now. 
um you know those are that's a, those are pretty good perks to get in, a, in an exit strategy you know it's a pretty good little yeah. golden umbrella but yeah. i i think i think lundy's like I, I don't know what to expect from kyle whittingham i don't think anybody does we doubt him too much he 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 and his and his thought his calves I almost said thighs he and his calves <laughs> are are just way way beyond what our mortal minds can comprehend and um I don't know. I, I don't want, I, I, as someone who just loves the program, um, someone who's like, you know, he's always been super cool to my dad as well. Like, I don't want to see, I don't want to see him go. You know, he, he is, he is like, he's the top dog in, in Utah sports and, in, and across any sports, you know, entity in the state. He's, he's the top fair. dog. And, uh, I don't want to see him go. You know, I, 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 I want to see him continue to push it because, I, I don't I think he surprises himself maybe every year with how far he he's able to take things and um I don't know I don't, I I I, I, was, I still don't think we've seen the best of him I, I like that's like, like the infuriating thing about as fun as last night's result was there was like a little tinge I felt of like frustration I was like wow Utah was really good all year they're only probably like two plays against um Oregon and Florida away from being 11 and 1. And that's that's like a little bit of a tough pill to swallow, I think. Yeah, it it is, you know, just along the lines with this conversation because I mean, you know, Kyle Whittingham said early in his coaching tenure that he didn't want to be coaching at 65, right? And we're getting real close to that, but he has said more recently than that that he's having more fun coaching now than he's ever had in his entire career. But he has also said, I I want to offer a counterpoint here. He has also said he feels, and this is directly from press conferences this year, he feels extreme distaste for the way the college game is headed. Right. You know, and like, I think that there's a lot of people that share that. Um, But overall, you know, the one thing that I think that we can come down to on, you know, like, with kind of what to Austin's point that, you know, maybe we haven't seen the best of him is Kyle Whittingham is just a competitive dude. Like, you know, he might not get quite as, as fiery as he used to, you know, like he still works that disrespect angle. Um, But I mean, you know, if you remember back in 06, when Joe Glenn at Wyoming oh, guaranteed a win over Utah, like you go back and you watch that and Witt was fired up. He was pissed off even after the game that well the joe know, glenn threw that very menacing middle finger up after the <laughs> after the onside kick when they were up 50 to nothing which was right. probably fair right yeah but like there is a part of me that does think that you know like i mean he might be ready to hang it up and just say like you know look you know i've got my rose bowl i'm done there's also a part of me that might say you know he's seeing and he's hearing people you know say like yep he's done it you know like a lot of people probably assuming that he's going to be done, you know, he's the greatest coach. They're all kind of just basically capping him off with a, you know, two pack 12 championships and a Rose bowl win, assuming that he gets that and just saying like, that's his magnum opus. That's the greatest thing that he'll ever accomplish. And there's probably, you know, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's that little voice in the back of Kyle Whittingham's mind that says, well, okay. Like that's your opinion, but now I'm just going to come back until I get to the playoff. You know, like there's still just that little bit of extra that he can, you know, go at. And and I do, you know, the road to that does get easier, not next year because the schedule is going to be brutal next year. But in 2024, when that playoff field expands and 
USC is no longer in the conference. They're no longer a hurdle that he has to go through. You know, getting to that playoff and getting at least one shot. Very possible. Like there, there's a, a, a real possibility that he hangs on at least that long just to see. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a fair point. Finally, before we go, I just have on my iPad here to decide this, this game on, uh, so college football, this was all pretty much pointless to track all year, right? Because Georgia's just, just going to boat race everyone and win a title, right? Like that that's just the way we're heading. Eric, I don't know anything. Any, I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I know. Sure. I'm going to say sure, Eric. I mean, probably. Yeah. Know, yeah. <laughs> Seems about right. <laughs> it's, wild, it's wild how they just get up for the big games. All right. Well, this was fun. Thank you both so much for joining me. Uh, this will be out later tonight on Saturday. You can expect a uh, football podcast from us uh, probably Tuesday night, NFL-wise. And I think we'll be back, uh, Austin. It feels like we should do one of these for we'll, – we'll get bowl games tomorrow, but it feels like we should do one per bowl game and keep them like 15 minutes-ish each. And, uh, yeah. I'll try, to, I'll try to squeeze you in, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> sounds, sounds good to me. All right, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. And Alex, thanks again, buddy. For, hey. for, I'll, I'll, I'll oh, look, oh, just in time. Hey, look, oh. just in time. Look at this. Just as we are wrapping up. Unbelievable. Unbelievable timing. It is It is Brown Bear. It is, it is Brian Brown. Brian, you caught us just for, we're just wrapping up. Literally so, three seconds before. So why don't you, why don't you give us a perfect timing? There is a new venture being launched. Oh, did in, you go? In the brown bear world, I'm here of millions of different things that he does. He is the busiest man in show business. Mm-hmm. Brian, why don't you tell us about this new venture that I will be contributing a little bit to? Uh, I'm excited to get this thing going. Yeah, it's I, I think it's pretty obvious that I'm just a football junkie, true. And I'm learning that there's a lot of other football junkies out there. And if you like football, you usually want to talk about it. And when you talk about it, we got to break it down. So I figured let's start a website called Football Breakdowns. And uh, lo and behold, it was available. So, you know, Eric and I have talked about this a lot. It's been in, in the works for a while. Um, but the whole plan of this thing is to just every aspect of the game that you can find a breakdown, we want to break it down, whether it's from tape to, you know, fans, uh, stories and their backstories, all kind of stuff the game of football i think it's it's one of the unique games out there oh my, my question for you guys i can say so you have footballbreakdowns.com have you secured dot net because if not i'll purchase that right now and and buy a competing site and uh, oh. give you guys a run for your I'm money in. i'm in let's let's start the war it's You're like hd dvd and uh blu-ray we yeah we <laughs> Anybody who's read the the reviews for the uh, Locked On Utes podcast knows just how competitive I am at <laughs> you know giving giving Brian's breakdowns a, a run for their money. Absolutely, well, I mean that that's the best part about competition, man. The cream rises to the top. So <laughs> maybe there's an aspect of this that I haven't thought of that Austin will angle in on. So, mm-hmm. yep. um, and if I anyway, can, I'll jump in on both sides of it. So that no matter who wins, I'll come out on top. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, think... I'm with Alex on that one. That sounds like a good plan. <laughs> well, I. I I think my most favorite part about this is this is the, I believe the very first version of the producer's post postcast that I dreamed of all the time from when we were at 1280. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I don't three, think we all three four of us have ever it. been on a podcast before. No. I think you're right. This I is... think I think we'll have to line up schedules so we can definitely do this for the Rose Bowl. I feel like this is a good panel oh. for for a few days after the Rose Bowl once Alex gets back. And once you get back. Why don't right? we do it after every BYU women's basketball game? I think that would be equally enthralling. <laughs> yeah, I, I so, agree with that. Yeah. Is, uh, is what's-his-face sister still on the team? Uh, Nick, sure. whatever? Well, they, uh, this, they have a lot of sisters on that team, I think. I'm in because she's what <laughs> I mean, she can dribble. So if I can just talk about her dribbling skills, the only reason I know that is from TikTok, though. So maybe, mm. uh, whatever we can we can workshop it. <laughs> so yeah, and here you know since we've discussed to throw the idea out of a potential you know post Rose Bowl panel producer postcast or whatever you know a lot of alliteration there, but just to like try to extra incentivize this. I mean, I've I've owed you know. Brian, I've owed you a Lundy burger for, you know, at least half a decade now. So uh, let's just say we'll we'll throw some Lundy burgers on the grill for all of us. You know, get maybe all of us in person together and, and I'd like that discuss yeah. this. I do not understand. I, I am a I'll, podcaster I'll send... that does not know how to do a podcast in person. So as long as someone else can <laughs> uh, can line up the technical aspect, I am all in. That sounds wonderful. Should be able to figure something out. If we need to go to separate rooms, we can do that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I spent like five years trying to figure it out. So I, I finally cracked the recipe on that. The one recipe I haven't cracked is the Lundy burger. So I think we're all bringing something to the table, which is delightful. Wonderful. All right, boys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Footballbreakdowns.com. I believe that, that that should be live as soon as Monday. I'm hoping to have something up there on Monday or Tuesday. I, I'm going to write on how we need to cherish this Pac-12 title uh, because these moments they just don't come around very often in football. Thank you all so much for joining me. We will see you all on the next trip around the sun. Peace out.